Hey guys, welcome back to The Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu, and I am your host. And today, we're visited by a very special guest, Benny Bayeshu. How's it going, Benny? Pretty good, man. How are you? Doing well. Uh, just, you know, I was supposed to have an exam today for my FE, and then I found out it got canceled, and now I got to take it in six months. So that kind of... Jeez. Yeah, that's not that good, so... Sorry. Uh, no, man, I, I get to be here with you and record this podcast. That's right. Awesome. Okay, so uh, before we, you know, start things off, um, you know, we typically have some sort of structure, but before we go into our weekly topic, uh, Benny, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a computer science student at Cal State Fullerton. Um, I've been living in California since about 2006, and when we we moved here with my family from Maryland, um, we uh, we came straight to this church, Bethel Romanian Pentecostal Church in Stanton, California, where we both go. Um, and yeah, I've been leading worship since I was about 17. Um, I've been playing guitar and drums since I was, um, roughly, you know, 11, 12. Um, so yeah, big music background for sure. Um, and yeah, just been a worship leader ever since. Awesome, man. And, uh, ironically enough, we'll, we have you here on the episode. Well, not we, I have you on here. I'm here, I'm here by myself. Um, uh, but you know, we're on the episode here talking about, how to prepare to be on a worship team and how to maintain a certain image and maintain a spiritual life that is appropriate for worship teams. Now, uh, yes, obviously you've been here for, for quite some time and we actually got it started off with doing worship uh, when we were in kids choir. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but well, right. you probably do remember because it's not like it was a long time ago, <laughs> maybe like 12 years ago. But uh, if you guys want to check on my profile, uh, sorry, on my Instagram profile, if you scroll down like, 40 photos there's a picture of me and benny when we we're like 11 years old playing piano and guitar respectively uh for the kids choir and that's how we kind of got started yeah. off right i didn't know what a key was back then so i was just kind of winging it whatever i would play would it was what i played and it didn't necessarily sound good but yeah definitely got us started and for me all i knew what were keys were so if you gave you wrote some keys down for me i played them and if they were off we were in for one <laughs> Uh, an eventful ride, if I can say so myself. Um, so yeah, I want to kind of use this as a transition. Um, obviously, you know, you're here on the pod because you have a lot of experience uh, with worship team. And, you know, I've kind of had a lot of firsthand experience as well, because, you know, we kind of grew up in that setting, you know, as young adults into the youth and now as adults. Um, it's definitely a big part of our background, especially in our Christian lives. So right. today, I want to talk about in the title of this podcast, as you probably have read, uh, preparing a heart of worship. So what I kind of want to do is I want to start things off kind of relating to how we were when we were younger, like 12, 13, before mm -hmm. we really got fully integrated into the youth and the youth service and the youth worship team ministry. And I want to, I want us to talk about our experience. How, how did you get started how are you kind of plugged into the youth uh, worship team yeah so um like i said i started i started picking up guitar when i was like 11 and this is a piece of advice that i would give to anybody who's even asking me and i'm, I'm sure we'll get to this later but for me um guitar at the time could it wasn't something that was just uh like a little hobby i guess that i did on the side it wasn't a fad that i I wanted to pick up for you know temporary purposes um, for a little bit of fun. For me, once I, I picked up guitar, I wanted to make sure that I would get as good as I could. Now, granted, this is also before you know a strong foundation 
um, with Christ and, and everything like that. But I, I think first and foremost was this commitment to this instrument. I wanted to learn it so badly. I just, I wanted to play guitar. So I would be at home before anyone at church even knew that I could play guitar. I would just be at home practicing, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star over and over again until, you know, I could get the fingering of it right. And, you know, pretty much playing until, you know, the tips of my fingertips were just swollen and, and the skin was falling off. Um, so I guess first and foremost was commitment. And I, after that, um, like you mentioned kids choir, um, at our church, we had a kids choir. I mean, we still do, but back in the day it was under, I guess, different management. And, um, I remember I had been singing in the kids choir and, uh, I, I, I did, I didn't want to anymore. I got to a certain point where I was like, man, I'm too old for this. I don't want to, you know, keep, you know, singing with all these little kids. I, I felt like I was older than them. Um, which, you know, maybe by a year or two, but it wasn't looking back. It wasn't much. Um, and I remember quitting. I went up to our youth choir director and I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I quit for a couple of weeks and, um, you know, I, it wasn't cause our kids choir, they practice at 11 AM on Sundays when our church service ends at 12. So that last hour, I remember I wasn't necessarily sitting in church. I was just kind of wandering the hallways and the, that same kids choir director got out of church or sorry, got out of, um, you know, the practice, I think to take a kid to the bathroom or something like that. And, uh, she just asked me, Hey, um, would you consider rejoining? And I, I kind of had this like spark in my head and I was like, "Mm, not as a singer, but if you need me to play guitar, I will. And I had never played guitar for anything. I'd never played in church. I've never played in front of anyone other than, you know, friends and family, but I wanted to kind of shoot my shot in a way and and get involved because I knew it was what I wanted to do. She agreed. Um, it wasn't great. You know, I wasn't exactly good at the beginning. I wasn't hitting the right chords. I didn't know music theory. I didn't know how to play. Um, but I was for sure committed. So after that, I knew 11 AM every Sunday morning, I got to be there. And, um, over time, you know, one of the choir directors taught me how to use a key at the key of C and I was just playing that. And I, I kind of started to understand and other people around me were kind of seeing my passion, I guess, and pointing me in the right direction. Hey, you should learn like what notes are in what keys and, um, just little tips and tricks. And, um, yeah, over time that grew, um, started to play drums a year or two later, um, picked that up, kind of learned both of those instruments simultaneously. And then, yeah, after that, um, just started listening to a lot of music, a lot of worship music, um, just kind of understanding how worship music works in the structure of it. Um, cause I feel like in, in some sense, not in a bad way, but there's a certain formula to it. Um, the way that worship music is created uh, as opposed to different genres of music. And yeah, just started understanding worship music a little bit more. Um, got very committed and then long story short, when I was 17, got asked to lead worship and have, I've just been leading worship ever since. So that's kind of my background in all of it. That's awesome. And I like that you mentioned, uh, and we'll definitely touch on this later, but you mentioned that initially when you're playing guitar, it was more of like, you, you had a passion to be good and you wanted to practice. You wanted to play on different songs. And this was before you did anything with, with church work. And I think a lot of young people today can relate. And right. myself included, because, uh, you know, we want to get good with our instrument. We want to be there on stage. We want to, you know, use the bad word, a.k.a. perform, you know, in, yeah. in our in our church. And um, that's not always the case. And we'll definitely talk about that later, right. but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think I started with Kids Choir um, 
you know, similar boat as you. I was, I had an early growth spurt, you know, so when I was like 11, 12, my voice already dropped and I was like (laughs) head taller than these kids. And um, unfortunately, you know, I was just, yeah, I don't want to be here. Like, I I don't know, I sing in a different octave than these guys. So I kind of took a a step back. I wasn't fully integrated in kids choir anyway, because I would like not always come, you know, to the practices. But I think I started playing when I saw you started playing for guitar. I'm like, hey, you know, might as well, you know, get a piano player in there. So I talked to the director or honestly, I think it was my parents who got, who got me into it because knowing me, I probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, volunteered for such a such a great responsibility. But uh, got in there, we practiced, and I, I I still remember the last time we played together was, I think we we didn't have a we didn't have a practice with the whole choir, and the director didn't give us the keys, and then me and you were standing behind the band door, trying to figure out the keys for this Easter song, and then we go in there and we blow it. Like it was like terrible, and then we just like stopped. We never played after that, not because that of sounds accurate. Yeah, yeah it's I I think it was the last time we played together. But I mean, by then we were already like transitioning to, to you know, youth related stuff. But right. um, my first involvement, you said you got involved like through the choir and everything, and you know, my first involvement in worship team was actually uh, one of the our youth night worship leaders, uh, Paul Pernan, mm-hmm. actually asked me, he's like, hey, do you want to play piano for, I was 14 at the time, do you want to play piano for our worship team? I'm like, yeah, sure, you know? So I started, uh, you know, going more to youth. I was catching, actually catching a ride with you and your sister at the yeah. time, because we were both- uh, Lived in Riverside. In yeah. Riverside, yeah. And yeah, that's ever, you know, I never slowed down since, um, until actually a couple years back when I was like full time and I needed to scale back a little bit. But uh, that was, you know, my exposure to the worship team and, you know, we've been there ever since and we've seen a lot and we've been through a lot of different leaders. We became leaders ourselves. We've, you know, coached other people to reach a certain point. And um, yeah, I think I think we have a very well-versed background in this. Right. In this and in this you've also had formal lessons in piano, not to mention all that and choir lessons as well. So your background was a little bit more, I guess, teached. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that's why like uh, Paul reached out to me because right. he, he, knew, he knew that I played piano and I would play piano in church like once a year whenever my parents would force me to and you know I was kind of reaching that age like hey let's get the young people involved hopefully that'll happen for us now because we definitely need the younger people the younger generation to come up for sure but maybe they'll listen to this podcast and you know maybe the I, parents will listen I to the podcast I hope so man I hope so hope we make it big um, so that's how, that's kind of our story now I want to like you know before we get into anything uh, too serious I want to ask ourselves and really look back and see like what are certain steps if you're trying to if if you're talking to a young person out there and they're trying to get involved in worship team what are certain like what's a checklist what are certain check boxes that they need to you know self-evaluate about themselves before they can really integrate themselves in this ministry Mm, yeah i think there's a few that i say right off the bat and i've seen in a lot of people and i i think the difference is when you and I were getting to that point where we're like, hey, we want to learn these instruments and we want to be in worship team, I remember this like sense of um, not in an not in an idolization kind of way, but we looked at worship team and the people in it like that's our goal. We want to we want to be people who are in worship team and playing because I mean, obviously for spiritual reasons too, but it, it was a, just a great thing to be involved uh, involved in. And so um, I remember just this dedication towards it. Um, towards not just showing up to practice and being on time but in in just going home and the amount of worship music that we would listen to and expose ourselves to just for the sake of exposing ourselves to it just so we could learn more um i remember seeing how i guess quote unquote good people were at their instruments um 
and just thinking like, man, I want to become that. And to be honest, I think one issue that I see with this younger generation is a lot of lack of desire to really learn an instrument. And and for some people, I've even seen this whole thing where it's like they want to be in worship team so bad that they kind of just choose an instrument that they think would they think would fit them as opposed to actually having such a, a strong like love for music itself and um, for their instrument that they don't really take the time to really craft their skill, which I think skill is a very important thing. And I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, two, I would say that maybe this isn't for everyone. I know that certain people are in certain circumstances where they kind of have to put themselves out there. But for me, I always had a mentality of, um, I don't want to ask to do something like, I don't want to have to beg. I, I do agree with, you know, putting yourself out there. If you know, you're out of church or something where it's, maybe it's a little bit bigger. Maybe you don't have a, like these scouts that can exactly, you know, pick you up and, and your talent and see what you have and ask you to do things. At least I know for our church, it was, it you know, pretty small, I guess. So everybody knows everybody's skills in a certain sense. And for me, I, I had a, a level of like, I don't want to have to ask for more chances to play on Fridays. I don't want to have to ask for, um, for more you know, more levels of, of authority, I guess, when it came to being a worship leader, I never wanted to ask to be a worship leader. I wanted it to be, Hey, my work is speaking for itself. That was always my mentality. And I, I've had issues in the past where as a worship leader, people were coming up to me, um, almost in a, in a complaining way saying like, Hey, why am I not playing more? Um, why, why do I not, not get chances as much as this other person to play? And my response to those people would be one, I'm sorry. I didn't know that that was like something that you wanted. So I'm glad you, you came and talked to me, but also too, your passion has to be visible. Um, you can't hide. I mean, you go back to the story that Jesus told about the, the candle. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't have a, 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 a light and you, you hide it. So in the same sense, if, if you have a, a skill, you should be able to, to show that maybe not in a boastful way, but you need to show that like, Hey, my passion is towards this thing because every person that I've seen that really had a passion towards worship team that really had a passion for, for learning their instrument. They're, they're fully in They're in worship team. I ask them, you know, almost every week, if not every other week. Um, and they're in, so I guess the, the number one thing I see is like, not just your commitment to your instrument, but also your, your overall passion for being on the team so much so that it's something that just is visible on you, you know? And I'm glad that you brought that up because passion is so, I mean, it may play such a big part in a young person's, you know, start in a worship team. And, you know, you guys have to realize no matter how, you know, crafted, no matter how good you are, no matter, you know, what political situation you have at your church or what standing you have or what last name you have, um, you know, God will always know your heart. And if you have a passion for worship and you make yourself available to him, even at a, especially at a young age, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's going to make a way for you to be able to serve. And I think worship team is one of those ways where you can, um, you know, use your skills that God has given you. And I mean, I mean, what I have is, you know, definitely like kind of what you said, musically inclined talent. You have to craft your skills. You have to it's, it's not about being up there and being seen and being recorded and being, um, you know, part of, it's not like a, you know, 
like a sorority, you know, where you're part of a certain club and you're like, oh, I'm with these guys, you know, where we all go hang out after. It's it's not, it's it's more than that. It's about that, you know, the fellowship right. is good, but it's more than that. And I think God truly, you know, rewards those people who have it on their heart to truly worship and to truly follow those guidelines. And for a young person, I think, honestly, the responsibility, kind of like what you touched up on, um, some people have certain expectations going into the worship team as if, you know, they try to set their own goals and set, which is good, but they have an expectation as, you know, how much they're going to get involved. And I think that's, um, you have to be a little more careful. Uh, you, you have to re- recognize that now God put certain leaders in your life to, to, be, to be able to use you and to get you more involved. And you have to trust that you are in a situation that, you know, you can serve. Now, at the same time, we as leaders have to be on the lookout because, because right, yeah. uh, it's one thing, like if you're not, if a person's, you know, being passionate about their, you know, skill or talent that God has given them. Um, and obviously, you know, we don't want to, we don't want any showboaters, but we have to be able to recognize talent. And I think that's a big issue. I mean, across all boards in, in the Christian community, when it comes to like positions of leadership, uh, you know, there are some leaders who lack that talent, uh, not just, you know, in the, in the music ministry, but they don't have the ability to seek other talent. And that just, that, that that's just detrimental to all parties. It brings everyone down and it affects the leader, affects the people beneath those people. So um, I think that's something that we have to be mindful of too, because if we're not on the lookout, if we're not, um, you know, in constant prayer, or if we ourselves as leaders are not in a relationship with the Lord, how are we, how are we to lead this younger generation that's coming up? So I think, you know, that's a big thing. Obviously, you know, spiritual obligation as well. Um, I mean, that's sort of much of a given, um, even for a person who is younger who may not, you know, fully understand what that is. But um, I think, yeah, those are like the the main checkpoints. And you really have to um, ask yourself if you're trying to get into worship team and you're young, uh, or even even if you're older, um, you have to ask yourself like, hey, is this Am I doing this for the right reason? Do I want to be a part of this for the right reason? Do I want to, do I want to serve the Lord? Uh, do I want to be a team player? Do I want to be an example to others? And um, you know, I think those some of those qualities will translate in the you know the, the second part of this of this episode where we're going to talk about um, what what image do we need to maintain if we're already involved in this um, music ministry? And uh, we're going to especially focus on the leadership part. Like we as leaders. You know, how are we supposed to act? What what do people have to think about us? Because we hear this all the time, like, oh, I don't, yeah, I'm gonna do what I want to do. I don't care what people think about me, and that's that's not biblical, guys. That's not that's not true. You have to care about what people think about you, because we can't stumble one another. Mm-hmm. We can't stumble one another uh, within the body of Christ, because um, uh, that just leads to a whole mess of problems. And uh, before we get into like specifics, what do you th- what does the Bible say about true worship? What what are we what are certain points that we can reference from that? Yeah, so definitely um, I've been reading Psalms a lot lately. And um, I guess the number one thing that I see um, is a, a, a level of sincerity from the psalmists that are um, just unmatched. And I see it in a lot of worship music. I guess like it's funny because when you talk about worship – we kind of automatically think about music. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality is, I mean, you talk about how a leader should be. And I think number one, that's what you should, should understand is that worship is not just the music that you play on any given church service day. Um, 
if that's the only time that we as leaders are worshiping or just worship team members are worshiping quote unquote um you i don't think you're really living your life as a worship leader or just as a christian should um because worship is so much more than that um and i think one thing that i see from these psalms is this level of sincerity that it, it wasn't all you know sunshine and rainbows but then at the same time something that i see from a lot of worship music today is a lot of um a lot of sadness but not sadness in a bad way a lot of songs that kind of focus on this like this level of like um god i need you to come because i'm just so broken right now i'm just so broken and and i get it we are broken that's true Mm -hmm. but it seems like a lot of songs are leaning towards this emotional state of having god only be your comforter without having him also be alpha and omega without him actually being the person that's worthy of all praise i feel like we're kind of starting to go into this um i guess this fad or whatever you want to call it of having worship music be kind of geared more towards our emotions and i think that's a, a pretty dangerous thing to do yeah um so i would say when when it comes to true worship one it's a matter of sincerity but two it's also a matter of worship is not meant to praise ourselves it's meant to praise god mm-hmm. so how do you do that just through your life and through your music mm-hmm. you know no i get that and i mean you're totally right i mean almost every song is you know emotionally led mm-hmm. which is not not a b- bad thing but when when you're writing all these songs and you're having all these you know quote unquote christians you know singing and talking about these songs um you begin to ask yourself like hey like if we're not you know if there's no reverence in our lyrics anymore if there's no reverence in the way that we act or how we portray ourselves or um you know if there if the gospel is not shining through our lives do we really know what the what the word of god says are we scripturally rooted if we're i mean cuz generating an emotional response is easy i mean you can talk about i mean you can in, in your song you mentioned something about you know broken hearts being mended and i mean everyone's broken i mean people right. who I mean, even non-Christians, you know, you know, they're broken and they, and they acknowledge that, you know, and that's why like mental health is rampant through the, through the world right now. And mm-hmm. it's really being talked about because everyone's broken. Everyone has an issue. Uh, everyone's scared, especially in the times we're living in right now. Um, so, I mean, gearing your songs to that, I mean, that's just like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a cop out. I feel like it's right. just trying to, you know, you know, and I'm not saying that that's for every situation, but at the same time, the songs that we're writing, the songs that we're promoting and listening to should talk about God's reverence, should talk about um, how he is all powerful and, you know, should talk about like, hey, we fall, we have fallen short because of our sin, not because, you know, we don't just like, you know, we're broken and God fixes us. Like, no, like we have to understand that sin is what separates us from God and Jesus Christ is the bridge. Right. And and I think that's that's really lapsing in, in you know, our Christian lives and culture right now and, and we see it and we and we see the repercussions in these big time christian figures these big time christian churches and you know the response to certain um political issues and social issues and i mean th- there there is no fear of the lord anymore and there's no more right. trust and faith in god so i think um and i think this extends beyond you know worship but um i think that's a big problem that we have right and which is why I kind of stand on the side is you can look anywhere in scripture, anywhere that you want in scripture and find times where a human being has encountered God, whether that be Moses seeing um, God in, in a certain image as, as he passed by the hole in the mountain, whether that be Isaiah, when he saw just the train of God's robe, fill the temple. There's, there's a few different times in the Bible where people have seen glimpses of God. 
And throughout all of those times, there's never been a person who has seen God or even just a glimpse of God, experienced God even in in the slightest way and thought of themselves. Mm-hmm. The only thing that they thought of themselves is, like Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Like you see God and you automatically see your sin. And now granted, a lot of these people are Old Testament figures. And now I'm, I'm my mentality is we are living in a time where we get to have the blood of Jesus cover all of our sins, why would more songs not be about that? Because they used to be, mm-hmm. right? You look at the past decade, two decades, even song, even even artists that we see now as kind of slowly starting to fall off the rails, like Hillsong, for instance, where you look at their songs maybe 10 years ago, and yeah, maybe they had a more progressive um, music style, but at, at least lyrically, a lot of the words that you were singing were really gospel-focused, and now you look at where it's come and it's really been emotion focused. But when you talk about people who are true worship leaders, no one who has seen God and experienced God in a, in a true manner still focuses on themselves so much that they forget to focus that on the gospel itself. And I feel like that's why all these hymns, when you look at what these hymns are, a lot of them are about Jesus, about the cross, about, you know, the image of this cross. And even today, some of the most powerful songs that you sing in church, you know, a lot of these songs are, um, here today, gone tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like they, they last a day on the top of the charts and then no church ever sings them again. But the songs that last, the songs that people still sing, even recent ones like, Oh, praise the name. Why is that song so popular? Great. I am. Why is that song so popular? Songs that people keep singing in church, for a long time, even new or old. Why is the same things, the, the songs that are truly praising God. I feel like those songs will last. Yeah. And I totally agree. And I think it's important, especially when, when as we're transitioning to like, you know, it's more song selection and like leader based, you know, advice here. Um, like, I mean, I, I read up on some articles and I'm not going to like cite anything because, you know, I'm totally over that. I've did, I just finished school. So I'm done with citing everything, but I read some articles and even secular researchers, you know, on the research they've conducted regarding like, you know, group singing and, you know, persons 10 or more, you know, they're saying that, you know, singing as a group, you know, brings people together. Yeah. And when you're singing these powerful songs in, you know, in in a Christian church, um, I mean, what I see that as is like, like like singing in in this worship environment is like a physical manifestation and symbol for the unification of the body of Christ. It's like, you know, the one thing that kind of brings us together. And I think that's why, you know, that's why it's a major part of our church services. That's why, um, you know, the Bible mentions it a lot. Now, worship in the Bible is not, you know, exclusively singing songs, right? right? There, you know, I heard a pastor once, um, you know, when he defined it to its basics, it's like worship is love expressed. Now, it, what really matters is, you know, where do you express that? Like, you know, how you do it and to whom and whatever. But, you know, worship music is one of the, strongest ways to do so and i think um you know that's why that's why god created music that's why god you know you know calls us you know to sing praises and uh, and all of that so as we um as we continue you know you as a worship leader have been you know leading worship for coming on seven years now um what's like what do you look for when it comes to like song selection what do you look for because you know we talked about you know, people growing up and, you know, what they need to maintain. But mm. when, when, when this, uh, worship team member eventually takes on leadership responsibilities, what advice would you give them on, you know, 
song selection that's beneficial for the congregation, for the team? Uh, what would you say? Yeah, this is an issue that I actually face a lot because as a worship leader, um, no matter who you are, you're going to get people in your worship team suggesting a lot of songs to you. And it's very hard to say no, but sometimes you have to. Um, it's Yeah, it's a struggle for sure because we live in a time where there's a lot of cool songs, a lot of songs that are melodically great, a lot of songs that had it been just for the melody itself, I would sing. But there's a lot of thing, a lot of songs that as a worship leader, I, I can't bring myself to pick. Um, some of them are because the words in them just don't match up biblically. And um, John Piper actually put it really well. He was talking about about picking songs and he said we live in a time where there's so much music that you can find worship music whether that be on apple music spotify just random churches singing songs that they have written there's so many good theologically great songs that have no issues in them that we're at a point where there really isn't an excuse for you to pick songs as a worship leader that there might be leniency of question in them there really isn't a point Mm -hmm. maybe because you want to sing the songs that are currently popular um and i would say to those people who do that i think if your main goal is to pick songs that are popular your goal is more focused on pleasing people instead of having a church draw nearer to god because we need to keep in mind worship when you're talking about music that is sung at church there's another purpose of it besides praise is also to teach Mm-hmm. You you learn through songs. Why would you want to be teaching false theologies, even one line of false theologies to a church of people, especially when you're talking about youth worship leaders who you're teaching people who are young, maybe not spiritually, you know, set in a sense that they don't really know what they believe yet. So I would say number one is if you if you can't take a song that you want to do and back up every line of it biblically, maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you shouldn't. Um, two, even if a song is theologically correct, it may not be good for a church service in a sense of, is the song focused more towards something that, you know, not everyone in the church may be dealing with? May Is the song a music style that your particular church is not okay with? Does it have certain aspects of it that would cause people to stumble? whether that's anyone what do i mean by that one you know we could sing a song that is about you know god i'm at my wits end i don't know what else to do i need you to come uh and the whole song is this this i guess song of like sadness and while some people might be dealing with that um i guarantee you not everyone is and you might actually be doing more harm by by tricking some people into their emotional states of thinking like they are broken when the reality is they should be joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's not for everyone. Some people may be in a state of you know depression or whatever it is, but you need to keep in mind that the songs that you're singing as a worship leader, don't pick songs that you like. I don't pick songs because I like them. I pick songs because I think that it's something that the church should be singing on any given week. Um, so I think that's number one is, you know, one, you got to go against kind of your emotions as a worship leader you kind of got to go against i mean there's plenty of songs that are on my playlist that i listen to that i would never sing in a church service yeah and i think you have to separate your desires of what you want to do and what the people in your worship team want to do from what you think is right yeah and i mean kind of gauging off what you're saying here is that there when, when it comes to like 
being a worship leader and especially when you're selecting songs, we have to be very considerate of the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you just nailed it with you know the song selection. And I think you know we as worship leaders have other obligations too when it comes to the you know the congregation. And that's how you know we present ourselves not only on stage, but um, even like living our everyday lives because people will see us. I mean, I mean, we're a close knit community and we're friends and we're we do things in the church. We do we hang out and do activities outside of the church. So people will see us on a regular basis. That's you know not in this worship setting. So, um, I mean, what what would you say regarding that? Like regarding how you act and present yourself on stage, and then how you would uh, do so off stage in uh, in other settings. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned earlier about this whole idea of um, reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I mean, we also talked about this idea of not causing people to stumble by whatever, your song selection or, you know, just little things that you do. Don't cause anyone to stumble and have a good reputation. But where do those things tie in? Um, Obviously, as the Romanian community, we have a convention once a year. Yeah. And, you know, we go to this place where worship leaders from, you know, around the West Coast or East Coast, depending on which convention you go to, you know, they all have their worship sets. And I can't tell you how many times I see someone who's on on stage with this sort of platform that they have. And then you kind of sit and think like, yeah, but I that the the things that that person posts on their social media don't match what they're singing right now. Um, and granted, it's not my place to throw judgment on any person, but in the same way that you can cause people to stumble by your song choice, by the way that you're acting on stage, by all of those things, you can cause people to stumble by people having an image of you of what you are off stage, and then knowing that that completely flips when you're on stage. It almost, in people's mind, it'll make you look like you're putting on a show. I feel like people can can read past that. Most people can read past that. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, people who you, you think you can have this one life that, you know, you're posting on social media where it's, it's quite frankly, not godly. And then, then you can just turn on this switch as soon as you turn on, on this big platform that you have to play whatever instrument. And then that people would, you know, think that that's genuine. It, it might be genuine. I'm not saying it's not, but you need to understand that people's perceptions don't always see that. Yeah. And for, you know, especially uh, the younger crowd who's trying to, who's new to this or trying to get involved, um, I mean, you have a lot of influence when you're on stage, when you're part of a worship team. I would say you have the second most influence behind whoever's preaching. And if people, you know, have dual perceptions of who you are, uh, you know, one foot in, one foot out, um, that's problematic. And, that, and if you're dealing with someone who's not scripturally rooted or, you know, is kind of new to the faith... Uh, you're going to lead them astray. And if you ask a lot of people who have been in the church in the past and, you know, are no longer in the church, uh, the number one thing they're going to tell you is like, hey, like, you know, Christians are hypocrites. Yeah. I, I've, I've dealt, I've seen so many like who act one way and, you know, act another when they're, you know, uh, in, in a different setting. So, uh, you know, and, and that's just like some, some random person in the congregation. But when you're up there and you are, leading you know you're leading worship and you're you know it's you have the whole body of christ singing as one and you know it's you have a great influence and i think if you do the wrong thing it could be detrimental not only to yourself but to others around you and i think that's very dangerous uh spiritually i think that's very dangerous um for you 
And it's something you definitely have to consider because um, you don't want that, you know, you don't want that on your hands. Right. Yeah. And I also think about it, not just for people outside, but for people within the worship team, like you as a worship leader. I know that for us um, lately, it's been kind of a shift where a lot of the worship team has been younger. And um, if as a worship leader, you're kind of acting a certain way outside of the team, you're condoning certain behaviors, mm-hmm. whether or not you want to admit it, whether or not that's what you say aloud, you're, you're condoning certain behaviors. Um, when the people who are under you see like, well, this person does it. Why can't I? Um, when instead to be an example as a, as a leader, um, because the reality is, I mean, I know that I faced it and I've seen many people who face it. Um, I was in worship team before I could say that I was, I had officially given my life to Christ. Um, you know, joined worship team when I was about 12 gave my life to Christ when I was about 16, 15, 16. So that gap there should tell you like, Hey, just because you're in worship team, that might just be because someone saw a talent in you, not necessarily a, you know, something great spiritually. So as a worship leader, you need to be able to determine like, Hey, like I need to be an example to this, this, and this person, because I see this and this in their lives. Maybe it's not right to as a worship leader to go straight to kicking someone out of worship team. Maybe it's the right thing as a worship leader to go and invest your time into that person to help them fix the flaws that they have instead of kind of condemning them right away. I mean, there's limits to that, obviously. Yeah. Someone shouldn't be living, you know, a strictly sinful lifestyle with no form of visual repentance and expect to stay in worship team that it it should never be like that. Now, if there's people where you see that they're, you know, struggling in certain areas and that, you know, they're showing this potential as a leader, work with them, work with them. Yeah. And depending on the structure of a church or, or how, like, you know, what the dynamic is between, you know, a youth, youth, uh, worship leader, youth pastor, pastor, how, depending on however that is, uh, sometimes for these younger, uh, worship team members, sometimes the closest men person to a mentor they have is the worship leader. Yeah. And they, I mean, they look to the, they look up to that person because, Hey, this person's talented. This person is, you know, godly. This person is, you know, is, is my friend likes to hang out with me. So, I think it's really important, especially if they don't have like a close relationship with like another, you know, mentor or the youth pastor or senior pastor. Um, I think it's really important for, you know, the worship leader to really guide his or her sheep, yeah. you know, kind of be there for them, be, and then the best way to do it is to be an example and, and to, you know, to not, you know, be careful of what you condone, what kind of behavior you condone, what, you know, jokes are said in the, you know, the worship setting or, you know, what, what settings you, wherever you put yourself in. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important because sometimes that's the, that you're the only person who that young member sees yeah. and they kind of try to reflect and try to copy what you're doing. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, I want to talk about some like last minute, you know, advice here, and you know when you're when you're staying in the worship team, and um, and this this applies for members, for leaders, and everything. But um, something that we kind of do, and we started doing a couple of years ago, which I really like, and I'm, I'm sure I mean you guys out there probably do do some form of this as well. But uh, before every you know worship service, uh, you know after practice, before service, we all go out in the back and we say a prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it's it's a prayer about like hey you know we're here 
you know, God has given us this talent. We've practiced our parts. Um, you know, we're ready to go, you know, musically. Yeah. But now let's get ready spiritually because it's not only for us. It's not about how we feel or how, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's about feelings, but it's, it's not only about us. It's about how, you know, the congregation responds. Yeah. And are we, are we going up on stage and, you know, creating an environment where everyone can worship together in, you know, and with lyrics that are sound in the doctrine and um, in an environment where no one is distracted on, you know, especially how we, you know, what image we put ourselves on right. stage and how we dress and how we act, um, you know, are we checking all those boxes? So I think uh, if you guys don't already do that out there, I, w- I would definitely recommend, you know, worship leaders, take your guys out in the back, go over a last, you know, few things that you need to go over and then, you know, pray all together. Because I think, I mean, I'm sure you agree that that has really helped us uh, in yeah. the last couple of years. I think um, it's easy to go into a practice. For us, we, we practice right before the service. So it's easy to go into a practice when everyone's trying to set up and um, figure out their parts and everything like that. It's kind of chaotic. And I think that time that you have right before the service to be like, hey, listen, guys, we did all that we can do. You know, that's done. Practice is behind us. Um, but right now we need to make sure that our hearts are in the right place and to have that final couple minutes just to, you know, pray together. Um, it's peaceful. It's it definitely like, at least for me, I've seen it. Um, when those prayers on my part are sincere, the level of peace that I get about doing the job that God has placed before me each and every week, um, it becomes peaceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen that, um, show up in many different, you know, areas of, of you know our spiritual lives and how we present ourselves in the and and the worship team so i mean and aside from all that i mean you guys know this but stay in the word um if you want to build a relationship with christ if you want to be rooted um in christ you have to you know read his word and you have to be in there and you have to pray every day and i mean i mean that's the only way to do it i mean it's 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 a simple formula but we don't always follow it because you know we're imperfect and you know we always find an excuse not to but if if before anything else, make sure you maintain that relationship you have, you know, with Christ as you're, you know, leading his ministry. So, Benny, as we wrap things up, uh, is there, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I had this, this kind of going into this, I just remembered this passage, and I guess it kind of summarizes pretty much everything that we talked about. Um, it's from First Samuel, so um, right now where we're picking up is chapter 16, and Saul had just had his anointing removed from him. And David had it placed on him, but Saul was still king. And at the time, what it says is that when, when we pick up, David was just a guy who was, you know, in the fields, mending his sheep, playing the harp. And um, it says in verse, in, in chapter 16, verse 14, it says, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. So essentially what happened at this point was Saul had this spirit of depression that was just over him. And one of his, um, one of his, servants came to him and said basically hey you need to go find someone who can play music for you it says that you need to go out and find someone and it says that when the the harmful spirit from god is upon you he will play it and um and it will be well so his they go out and they're searching and one of his servants says hey there's this guy david you know son of jesse he plays pretty well so saul's like all right come and I think one thing that we, we talked about earlier, which is the perfect summary of this is David was playing in the field long before he ever played in the palace. And I think that's one thing. His, his dedication was there before he ever had his high position. Um, 
And then also at the end of this, it says that, you know, David would play and it said, whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took his harp essentially and, and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. So I think we need to understand God made music um, for a reason and it worships him. The melodies themselves can be worship. Um, so, you know, a lot of times it's easy to cast off certain things because, Oh, we're just getting into this, um, emotional state with the, the music that we're playing and, and all of that. But I think the important thing to realize is like, listen, God made music for a reason. And as worship leaders and worship team members, we, we have essentially two jobs. One to live a life of worship and two, to make sure that we're so dedicated to the gift that God has given us that we would do it even if we weren't playing in a palace, mm-hmm. but we were just playing in a field. Yeah, and I like and I like that. And if there's one thing you guys remember about this episode is that don't worry if you're playing in a field right now because one day you may be playing in a palace. And yeah. I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that uh, uh, the illustration right there. Um, but. Yeah, Benny, thank you so much for being here. No worries. Um, it's it's you know awesome to kind of you know pick your brain and really uh, just gain a you know further understanding of what it means to be involved in this ministry because I think this is one of the um, biggest ministries in the body of Christ. Yeah, uh, and it's also one of the most sought after because you know everyone likes to sing and you know everyone has their own Instagram singing accounts and you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know everyone wants to be that person. So I think it was very relatable. And yeah, thank you for being here no and worries, uh, providing. Thanks for having me. Of course, uh, having on having. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, as we wrap things up, do you have a? I know people do, do this on podcasts, but do you have like a you know social media handle you'd like to give out? I mean, yeah, I'm on public on Instagram, so if you guys want to follow me, B E N N Y B A E S U. No, no uh, underscore. Nope, just straight through. Yeah, I got to do an underscore because my last <laughs> name starts with the vowel, so it's like mm, yeah, it's it's weird. Right, so I got to yeah. do that underscore. But um, for those of you out there, uh, we're a new podcast, and you can follow us on our Instagram at the Potter's House for weekly updates. Um, Potter, I'm gonna, and I'm going to say this for every episode, Potter is spelled P-O-D-D-E-R apostrophe S. Um, and it's kind of a play on words. If you don't understand what that means, just listen to my first episode where I explain all of that. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and uh, whatever else takes us. Uh, we're not going live yet, so I'm not sure what platforms we're on. So that may change. Hopefully Spotify will take us because I know they have a uh, pretty strict screening process. And uh, lastly, please leave a review for us on our iTunes. And if you like us, please do so. If you don't like us, don't leave a review. Just stop listening. And uh, yeah, and do everything you can to share with your friends. Um, if you know someone who, you know, part of the reason I'm doing this is because I want to talk about like relatable topics. And I think this is very relatable to not only the Romanian community that we serve in, but like all Christian communities around the world. So um, yeah, share with your friends and yeah, we'll see you next time.